So oftentimes we have the Word, but here's my, we've got the Word or we're hearing the Word, whether it be here or, or on podcasts, which are also, you know, available on our phones. But oftentimes people don't see the, the metamorphic power of the promises and the Word of God, God in their circumstances. And sometimes we ask the question, well, why not? If we've got the word there and the promises are there, why is it sometimes that we don't see those transformations that are promised in the word? I want to talk about that today. Uh, I'm going to give you three R's this morning. Everyone's heard of the three R's of education? Reading, writing, arithmetic. (laughs) That's good spelling. Uh, but I'm going to give you the three R's of the Word of God this morning. Three R's of seeing the Word of God released into your world. You know, who loves having a car? I love having a car. I know in this area, oftentimes, people, some people don't have a car, don't need a car. Working in the city, you can get public transport. Um, but a car is such a blessing when you need a car. But the truth is, just having a car in your garage... Is not going to do you any good if when you need to go somewhere, you go, well, I'm just going to walk. And you see someone walking up the street and you say, oh, why are you walking? You've got a car. Oh, well, I don't want to take the car out of the garage. I don't want to get it dirty or, or I, 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 don't want to wear the t- I don't want to wear it out. But the car's there to be utilised. And you can be walking and have a vehicle sitting in the garage which has the power to take you to where you want to go and you're not using it. You can even have the keys in your pocket. But you've got to get in the car, you've got to turn that engine on and you have to drive it. It's exactly the same with the Word of God. You can have it on your phone. You can have it uh, sitting on the mantelpiece at home or, or on your desk. You can have the Word of God there. But the power is only released when you take it and you begin to use it. You put the keys in the ignition. You put it into drive. You drop the clutch and you burn off up in, <laughs> into the future. That's the way the Word of God works. It's no point just carrying it around. It has to be used. I want to talk about the three R's of utilizing God's Word and seeing the promises come into their world. Who wants to hear the three R's? Number one, you have to receive it. I must receive God's Word if I'm going to be blessed by it. James chapter 1 verse 21 says this. We'll come up on the screen there. Therefore, get rid of all, uh, get rid of all, Moral, oh, I've got a word missing here. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil purposeful, oh, this is the amplified, wrongdoing that is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept the word. Uh, that word accept there, in the original language, it's a Greek word, but it's actually a hospitality term. When it talks about accepting, it's actually, the, the word is used as a welcome. So it's actually saying you've got to welcome the Word of God. Not like, oh, well, I've got the Word of God and, and uh, you know, it's saying you've got to welcome it into your life. Where it says accept it, it's not just, oh, I accept the Word of God. It's like, no, I come into my life 
Welcome into my life, Word of God. Like the Word of God comes and knocks on the door and you open up. Oh, come in. Come in. I honour you in my life. I honour you in my home. That's what it's talking about when it's saying here, accept God's Word. Um, And not only accept it, to accept it means to actually believe it. I know. This is like heavy stuff. But when God says something, you go, you know what? I'm actually going to believe that. I'm going to hold on to that. You know, before there was denominations and the development of uh, names and identifiers of, of Christian groups and Christian organizations, there was one term that the early church was known for. That one term that designated anybody who was a follower of Christ. And the word was a believer. We are not just C3 church or, or whatever background or denomination you're a part of. When we're identifying our lives with Christ, what we're saying is, I'm a believer. A believer in what? A believer in Jesus and a believer in His Word. That's the identifier for us. So we've got to ask ourselves, do we actually believe what He said? That's what it means to accept it, to bring it into our world and believe what He says. And sometimes you're in the middle of a challenge or a difficulty or a crisis or a storm when everything around you is telling you that this is not going to work or you're not going to make it. And when everything begins to go dark, sometimes the only thing you have to hold on to is the Word of God, a promise, a light shining in the darkness that says you are going to make it. Things are working together for good. You are not going to die. Many, many times at different points where the Word of God is the only thing you hold on to, but it is enough to sustain you, to hold you up, and to bring you through any challenge, any opposition, any crisis, or any situation that you may face in your life. The Word of God can be trusted because it's the Word of God. Do you believe it? You've got to receive it and believe it for it to work. For it to work. Um, Psalm 119 uh, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet. Sometimes I need a lamp. I don't know which step to take. In life, oftentimes, there's various opportunities and there's also various challenges that come our way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you face a challenge. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to take. I don't know what decision to make. We can come to God's Word, say, God, show me. It is a lamp to your feet. It is a light to your path. You're never in the dark when you've got God's Word. He will always show you the direction to take. You are never lost when you've got God's Word, but you've got to believe it. I was talking to someone just this week, and uh, last week, actually, I was talking to them. I spoke to them again this week, but at first, and they were just talking to me, about, uh, about some decision they needed to make about their finances. They had um, a house down here in Sydney. Uh, they're living up uh, in another state. And they're going, look, I just don't know what to do. We've got this home. We don't know whether to, to sell it uh, and then get the money and, and buy something else up, up where they are or, or reinvest it or, or, um, or whether they should hold on to it. And it was just asking me the questions because I've got a business degree and stuff and... Uh, so I want to just pick your brains. Anyway, I just said to him, I said, look, if it was me, I'd hold on to it simply because of, I, thought, I said, look, there's no wrong choice. You can invest in the other state. 
you'll get more uh, for your money, but the long-term increase will be less. If you hold it here, you'll have, you won't get as much, but long-term valuations will go up. So there's, there's no wrong. It's just what you want to do. If it was me, I'd hold on to it. But I said, you need to ask God. You ne- God will tell you what to do. You are not alone. You can get advice from a thousand different advisors and professionals, but God knows the way forward. I said, go and pray about it. Ask God to show you. Read the word. I'm telling you, he'll tell you what to do. Just this week, he rang me back. He said, you know what? He said, I'm going to hold on to it. And you know why? He said, I was reading the Bible and I was going through Proverbs and this proverb spoke to me. In Proverbs 20, 21, and it said, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed in the end. And he'd inherited this property. And he said, you know what? The Lord's told me I need to hold on to it. How good's that? He knows what to do. God will give you clarity about the directions, the decisions, and the steps you need to take for your future. It is a light to your path. Nick and I in a... uh, you know, anybody that's been alive any period of time, I'm 51 this year, and anybody that's 51 or older and sometimes younger will be able to tell you there's times where you'll face difficulties, you'll face challenges, you'll face uncertainty. A number of years ago, uh, we went through a very difficult time, and at that point, I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to keep running this church or not. Uh, it was uh, around 2010, 2011. And uh, I, just, I just wasn't sure. There was a lot of things happening. And uh, I remember going to God and saying, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to stay? Am I supposed to leave? Am I supposed to be doing something else? I want to please, at the end of the day, my heart, and I hope your heart is as well, I want to please God. What are you? My life belongs to you. I've given you my life. It's not my decisions, my life to choose what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. And I need to know what you want me to do. I'm not sure. Is the season over? Am I supposed to be doing something else? Am I supposed to go somewhere else? I remember reading the Word and uh, saying, God, you've got to show me. And in that moment, I was reading through the Psalms, and Psalm 110 just burst off the page. And the Lord spoke to me. It was not just words. This was God speaking into my life. And He said this, The Lord has sworn... And will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That was a confirmation to me. No, I've called you. I haven't changed my mind. Don't look at the circumstances and think, well, somehow this is not what you're supposed to be doing. I have called you. This is what I want you to do. Just keep going and you'll make it. Guess what? We're still here. (laughs) We're still here. That's nearly 10 years ago. God will speak to you. The Word of God is alive. It's not just a book, not a reference book, nor a history book, although it includes references and history. It is a living Word that is used by God to speak into your life and give you direction, give you hope, give you peace for your life. It's the Word of God, but you have to receive it. Not argue about it, not debate it, not question it, Go, this is what God says. I'm going to receive it. That's the way it works. Not only have you got to receive it, that's number one, but you've got to reflect on it. The R number two, you've got to reflect on the Word of God. James 1.23, anyone who listens to the Word of God uh, and does not do what it says is like a man who looks 
at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, immediately goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So you've got to reflect on God's Word. You've got to meditate. You've got to, you've got to think it through, not just a casual observer. Because God's Word's like a mirror. Hey, we all have mirrors in our home. Anyone not have a mirror in their home? They don't care what they look like. <laughs> we all have mirrors. Why? Because we want to look at the mirror and the mirror reflects back to us what we look like. Then we can, oh, I've got a hair out of place. Or, oh, I've got something in my tooth. Or, uh, oh, I've got a pimple that I need to squeeze. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever. We use mirrors because it reflects back to us where we need to adjust, what we need to change so that we look our best. God, uh, James and, and the Lord uses that analogy for the Word of God. But the Word of God does not reflect our outward appearance. It reflects our inward appearance. So when we look into the Word of God, it says it'll show you what you like. And oftentimes we don't want to look at the Word because we don't want to know what's on the inside. We actually don't want to see what's going on in our heart. But the Word will reflect it. Anyone that looks at himself in a mirror uh, and then goes away and forgets what he looks like is the same person that reads the Word and then doesn't do what it says. It's not going to do you any good to just read it and then not apply it because it's a mirror. So have you ever seen yourself in the Bible? Have you ever read it and gone, oh, that's talking to me? If you've never done that, you're not reading the Bible correctly. You might be just reading it casually or, uh, or, or in a reference manner. But if you've never seen God reflect an attitude that you have or a, or a, a character flaw or an area that, that you need to change or adjust or maybe a habit that you have or maybe uh, or, or a way that you're living or decisions that you're making, that's what God's Word does because it's shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ. But you've got to look into it. God's Word detects the thoughts, the intents, the motives and the desires of the heart, Hebrew says. Now, many years ago, Queen Elizabeth I, who'd been very beautiful in her youth, ordered that all the mirrors in her castle be removed because she couldn't stand who she'd become. She wanted to remember what she was like when she was young. You know, sometimes we do that as well. We, we don't want to look at the Word of God because it challenges our lifestyle or it challenges decisions that we're making or it challenges things that we're doing that we know deep down that we need to change, but we don't want to. But I encourage you to let God's Word move and expose areas of your heart because God has your best interest at heart. He's got your best future aligned and set for you. And as the Word of God begins to direct us, it'll sometimes challenge us to change or to, or to do something different, or to not do something that we were doing, or to do something that we're not doing. Uh, how do we reflect in the Word? Say, so reflect in the Word. How do we do it? Three ways to do it. Three more R's. Sub-R's of the original three R's. <laughs> Just to make it more confusing. You've got to read it. How do we reflect in the Word? Read it. Verse 25. This is all in the book of James. This is all from, from the book of James. Verse 25. The man who looks intently into the perfect law. To read it, you've got to look into it. That word in the original language, it means to stoop down and to gaze into. So it's not talking about a, a casual observation. It means to look into, to lift up and to gaze into. That's what it means to read it. When you gaze in, 
you notice, when you gaze at something, you notice certain things, don't you, that you don't see when you just casually look at something. Um, number two, not only read it, you've got to review it. Verse 25, looks into the perfect law and continues to do so. That means you've got to do it over and over again. It's got to become a habit in our life, a culture of the word in our life. The Bible calls it meditation. Oftentimes meditation, the word meditation gets a bad rap, but meditation simply means to go over and over again in your mind. It's not the emptying of our mind to make it clear, it's the filling of our mind with God's word that begins to make sense to us as we go forward. So you've got to review it. And number three, you've got to remember it. Read it, review it, remember it. Verse 25, not forgetting what you've heard. Nothing of benefit is going to happen if we don't remember it. I was reading a study the other day, and it said it was a study by the uh, American Navy. And they said that uh, 95% of what we hear, we forget within 72 hours. 95% of what we hear, we forget in 72 hours. So in other words, in three days' time, someone's going to say, what did Ward say? And you go, I can't remember a thing. (laughs) Unless you write it down, unless you review it. And you look to remember it. It's the same with the Word of God. You've got to begin to remember Scriptures, meditate on them, put them up on your fridge, put them in your car. I used to carry a, uh, when I was a sales rep many years ago, I had a whole bunch of cards I used to keep on my dash with Scriptures on there. And uh, every time I hit a red light, that was my, that's, who hates sitting at red light? I hated sitting at red lights. So I'm going to make red lights work for me. I'd sit at a red light, I'd pick up my cards, I'd memorize a Scripture, I'd move it to the back, I'd go to the next set of lights. Next time I got a red light, pull the cards out, meditate the scripture, put it to the back. I memorized at least two scriptures in a year. <laughs> I'm a little bit slow, but you've got to remember it. So reflect on the word. Receive the word, reflect the word. My last point is respond to the word of God. As it says there in James verse 22, not merely listening to what the word says and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Do what it says. You know what? It's not always easy to do what God asks of us. It's not easy all the time. Sometimes it is. But if we want to see God's God's Word working, if we want to see the promises actually taking place and taking shape in our life, if we want to see the, the blessings that God has put in His Word actually working in our world, you've got to respond to what He says. You've actually got to do it. I remember one time we were at Presence Conference. This is, this is one of the reasons I'm still scarred by Presence Conference. Even though I love it, but I don't know about you, but every time I go to Presence, I don't know about you, Pastor Mark, God talks to me. And sometimes I don't want to hear what he's saying. <laughs> it's like, oh. I remember this one time uh, uh, we were uh, quite uh, financially challenged at the time. And uh, I'd started a business to... Um, to uh, subsidize our income. And so I started this business. I thought it was a great idea. Well, it was an awesome idea. <coughs> and I spent about $10,000 getting the business up and running and just got to the point where uh, I lined up a few clients and I was the next day I was going to go and, and uh, sign the first contract uh, for this uh, sale that uh, this person had agreed to do. And then I'm in the presence, I'm in presence that night. It was the night of this miracle offering. I love the miracle offering. <laughs> miracle offering, you know what? 
to do what God asks you to do is not always easy, but I tell you, when you take the step, you're never disappointed. Never disappointed in the long run. You might be disappointed at the time, but <laughs> anyway, I'm sitting in there, and the Lord says to me, it's the miracle offering. I've started this business. We've invested $10,000, and I'm like, this is, this, is our, this is our solution to our financial problem. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord says to me, Pastor Phil's calling everyone up, and the Lord says to me, I don't want you to put any money in the offering. I'm like, yes! That's a word from God. <laughs> and he said to me, I want you to put your business in the offering. I'm like, are you serious? I've just started it. I've just invested. Why didn't you tell me this right back at the beginning? I felt like Abraham. If you know the story of Abraham where God's given him a son called Isaac who was going to be the solution to the promise that God had made. And then God says, I want, you to, I want you to sacrifice him. Give it to me. And I'm like, you cannot be serious. And I'm wrestling with it in my head. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Why should I do it? And the Lord said, I want you to read Genesis. When the Lord starts quoting scripture to you, you're in trouble. <laughs> he says, I want you to read Genesis chapter 4. I'm like, oh, righto. Uh, open it up. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And at the same time, uh, our church was going through a very, very challenging time. Some of you who might have been here for that. It was a number of years ago now. But, um, and so... Uh, and so I'm reading Genesis chapter 4, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. You may have heard that story as well if you've read through Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Adam and Eve's two children, Cain and Abel. And if you read through the story, you, you'll know, if you know the story, or if you don't, that uh, Cain kills Abel. Uh, one of the sons of Adam and Eve kills the other son. And I'm reading through this scripture, and I'm going, what? This has got nothing to do with me. Why are you getting... And the Lord said this to me. He said... This business you're about to start is Cain and the ministry and the church that you run is Abel. And if you start this business and continue to run it, Cain will kill Abel. And I'm like, oh my gosh. The Lord said, I need you. I need you to give 100% of your attention to my church if it's going to survive. And I went, okay, fine. <laughs> so I went down. I spoke to Nick and... Uh, I mean, she was just an, such an incredible woman of God. And, uh, I mean, I've made some big decisions in our life financially and for whatever reason because I believe God's told us. And Nick has always backed me and always said, I'll follow. And, yeah, I believe you hear from God. And so I, I just threw the business down to 10 grand. And I said, there you go, it's yours. Um, and walked away and... Uh, um, I was just working out whether I'm going to tell the rest of the story. But I'll, f I'll finish it this way. So I walked away and said, okay, the business is yours. I had six leads already set up, six guys that had said, yep, verbally given me approval to go ahead and, and uh, I was running a, um, like a coaching service and said, yeah, we want you, we'll pay you to come and do your thing. And I was like, great. Uh, and so... Nick and I were just talking, and we said, okay, well, the Lord's told me to shut the business down, so we're going to shut it down. I'm not going to advertise. I'm not going to go looking for any more business. I'm just, we're shutting it down, but we've got to recoup the money that we invested. So I'll just follow through these leads that we've got now. I'll go see these guys. I'll get the money back, and then that's it. We'll move on. So I'm like, great. Well, that's what I'm going to do. And so I ring the guy up. I go, I'll come see you tomorrow. He signed the contract. He said, yep, 
so that night I'm praying and the Lord said to me, and this is why it's good to know God's word as well, because that's the way God speaks. 99% of the time we go, oh, he talked to me. He talks to you through the word of God. It is the way he communicates. And then, so he said to me, oh, I'm, I'm praying, God, God, I want your will. And he goes, I want you to read 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm like, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> so anyway, I turn up the Bible, I open up the Bible and, and it's the story of a, a guy in the Bible by the name of uh, Samuel, a prophet called Samuel, and a guy, uh, a king who was the king before David, his name was Saul. <coughs> and God had asked Dave, uh, Saul to do something and he'd done part of it but hadn't done all of it. And then the prophet comes the Lord says to the prophet, I want you to go talk to the king and say, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? And then he does that and the king goes, I did do what I asked you to do. I, I did everything except for these little things on the side. And so I'm reading through this and this is like, this is like talking about exactly what I'd done. I had given up the business but I kept this portion which I thought was going to pay back the bills. Not, not deliberately but I'm like, this is the way. And I'm reading through this and the, the blood is draining from my face. And he's going, and then, and then this scripture popped out at me, which sa the Samuel the prophet spoke to Saul the king, and he said this, the Lord desires obedience, not sacrifice. <coughs> and then I heard God say to me, I told you to sell the business, now sell it. <laughs> and I was like, ah! <laughs> So I rang, I rang up all the guys that, uh, I, who had verbal agreement, and I said, look, I've had a change of direction. I can't go ahead with the business. I gave him the name of other guys that were doing what I was doing. Ring these guys. They'll be able to do what, they'll be able to do what you need done. Uh, I got all my paraphernalia, all the stuff, the website. I ch shut it all down. I got all my stuff. I chucked it in the bin. And I said, okay, God, uh, it's done. It's over. And I can't say it was an easy go forward because obviously it cost a lot of money and we were in challenging circumstances at the time. But we can look back now and go, God was there every single step of the way, miraculously providing in different ways financially. And now, looking back nearly 10 years ago, God has looked after us. And we are financially blessed. Our family is blessed. God has moved miraculously in different circumstances. And I can honestly say, I am so pleased that I did what God asked me to do. Because He is so in love with you and cares so much about your future that sometimes he'll ask you to do things that you might think are not the best thing or the easiest thing to do, but he does it because he has your best interest at heart. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have great relationships. He wants your future to be prosperous and enjoyable. And he says, this is the way to do it. But you've got to receive it. You've got to reflect on it. And then you have to respond to it. God has not said one thing in his word that is too good to be true. There's not a promise in God's word that is too good to be true. You've just got to believe it. You've got to walk it out. You've got to hold on to it. Even when all the circumstances are telling you, you're not going to make it. This can't change. This can't happen because God is a God of miracles. Miracles. And we've seen them in our life. I know many people here have seen them in their own lives and 
hearing John's testimony and many other people's, God's word works. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place right now and you're not sure whether to believe it, or whether to trust it, or you're not even sure what direction to take, get your word of God. Get the Bible. Begin to read it. Begin to look at it and say to God, God, show me what to do. And I can guarantee you, he will talk to you. You will not be left in the dark. Thank you, God. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning.